Welcome into Locked On Knicks, Gavin Shaw, Alex Wolf. Alex, we're joined by our guy Joey today to get into some interesting content. Um, he, he had some interesting trade speculation. Um, one about a, a particular sixer that's been in the news quite a bit. Yeah, we talk first about the draft and, you know, how high the Knicks could move up using only picks, you know, whether it's this year's picks or some future picks, if they were to choose to try to move up in this draft and, and nab someone in the lottery or, or that general area. Then we talk about how high the Knicks can move up if they move anyone but their untouchable sort of guys, you know, without touching Emmanuel quickly, RJ Barrett or Julius Randle. Uh, how high they could get up that way. And then we finish off talking about Ben Simmons, big, big topic in NBA land right now, whether the Knicks should potentially look at trading for him, if he should be playing the five at the center position, totally crazy stuff. Uh, Not really if you look at how he plays, but at any rate, we're going to get into all that next on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. Starts with a five. Ewing for the win. Yes. Thompson left. Now fires it. And he's good. And he's fouled. And he is You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Spotify Greenroom. Download the app and join Alex and I this week, Thursday at 5.30, to get in on the action. You might be asking, though, who are Alex and I? Well, I'm Gavin Shaw. I am a play-by-play broadcaster covering a variety of sports at a variety of outlets. He is Alex Wolf, editor-in-chief of the greatest Knicks website out there, The Strickland, and this is part three of our Spotify Greenroom conversation with you guys. Without further ado, let's get into it. Sending you down, Rick. Yeah, first of all, yeah, shout out to you guys. Really um, impressed with all of our all of our speakers today. You guys, you guys have been great. And we're gonna have our final person up. Uh, he's been waiting a while. Uh, really appreciate the patience. It's Joey Landolfa. Joey, what's up, man? Welcome on. Uh, how's it going? And uh, yeah, appreciate appreciate you waiting once again. Thanks, guys. Appreciate being on again here. It's been a couple weeks. Um, real quick. Uh, a part that I have two parts about this one draft related and one not draft related. Uh, the draft related thing is more of like a two or a three part question. Uh, what is the most, like what's the highest you think we'd be able to move out by moving just picks like 19 plus 21 equals like the 13th pick or 19 plus 21 plus like a future first equals like the eighth pick. What's the highest we'd be able to move up with just picks. And then what's the highest you guys think we'd be able to move up without touching RJ, uh, Randall or, to me, the oh, you go ahead, Alex. No, you go ahead, Gavin. Take it first. Okay, yeah. Um, to I'll, I'll answer the first question first, and and then I'll I'll re-ask you the second one because I, I don't remember it because I have a horrible short-term memory. But um, nice first for the first part. Uh, um, yeah, I would I would target New Orleans because I think they, by all accounts, seem like very set on Corey Kispert, and maybe maybe that's I'm reading too much into mock drafts, and people don't actually know what. David Griffin is thinking, given some of the stuff that's gone in New Orleans, it would make sense that no one really knows what David Griffin is thinking. Um, but I would target them. And I think the way to do that would honestly be to like find a way to like, and I guess this, this goes slightly outside the scope of your initial question, but 
to somehow find a way to package like 19 with maybe some kind of future asset, like whether it's like the 2023 Dallas pick or something, and then move up to 16 and then maybe something else with like 16 plus something else to get to 11. Because I think if they're really set on Kispert or if they're, they're just really set on getting like a specific shooter at that spot. I think it's someone that they could get a little lower and like similar to the Suns last year with Jalen Smith, even though the Suns didn't actually trade down, you could be like, Hey, your guy is definitely going to be available in five picks. Why don't we just give you this future asset? You'll still get the person you want. And, and the Knicks can move up to 11 and that would open the Knicks up to maybe like, I, I mean, probably not Kispert, but maybe like the guys I would look at there, are like Moses Moody or like Franz Wagner. I'm, I'm a really big fan of in a position like that. Um, there's obviously there's a number of guys the Knicks could theoretically take there. Um, and, and sorry, Joe, what was, what was the second part of the question again? So the second question was, what's the highest we would be able to move up if we did include players that weren't RJ, Randall, or quickly on? Gotcha. Um, so to me, that, that basically means Obi. I mean, I guess, I guess theoretically, Mitch, though with his contract situation, that would be kind of tough. I think, um, not that we've like really gotten heavily into trading Mitch, um, but if the Knicks were to deal him and both the picks, I think you could get anywhere like outside of the top five but then you just have to look around and say like what team really needs a center and on initial thought I think it's only Sacramento in that range that does um so that's where Mitch becomes tricky and then Obi it just becomes a question of like how much value does he have and obviously that's has gotten better and better throughout the year but I really think he only boosts you up like an extra couple picks like I don't, I don't think like Obi and both picks maybe gets you up to like seven and six or seven and if you're the Knicks and you you're really set on the idea like all right we're re-signing Randall and we just we just do not see OB as a small ball five ever so he just he just has finite value for us and you say we're, we're basically doing OB 19 and 21 to go get Scotty Barnes like that that would be to me like he's the name out I would do that five. right now honestly that's sounds- yeah, yeah, it sounds good to me, too. Like, I think he's the guy, like, to, again, use that term star equity that I'm probably overusing. Um, I think he, he's probably the guy outside the top five that would interest me the most in terms of his his ceiling. Um, I, I don't – I'm not sure, though, that he gets you quite that high. Because you're, you're six, you're talking about, like, the Warriors. And, like, if he's if he's there at six, if I'm Golden State, um, even though I know most people are saying they're going to take Gavion Mitchell and Barnes would maybe have a little bit – too much overlap with Draymond but if I'm the Warriors I'm like not making the mistake I made last year with Wiseman and drafting for fit and I'm just I'm taking advantage of the fact that I'm a great team and I have the sixth pick and I'm just taking the best guy available but if you could if you could get the Warriors to do something like that that would certainly be interesting but again I think I think it's I think it's a little bit of a just because I my my, my instinct is OB does not have a there, there there probably is a team and an evaluator out there that really really likes him like we kept hearing before the draft that everyone liked OB which to me maybe this is wrong indicated that no one liked OB that that was just leaking so constantly everyone's like oh you better trade up or we're gonna take OB top and he was sort of like the boogeyman of the 2020 draft and it, it really seemed like it was only the Knicks and, and probably the Cavs who were really into him in a significant way but I, I don't know Alex do you do you think that's a fair assessment or am I like maybe underrating OB's value given the flashes that he showed late in the season and then especially in the playoffs? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess it was just depend on how real all that chatter was, like you said. But I kind of think, too, that Obi was just – Obi was viewed as the NBA-ready prospect last year. And, like, those guys are always the ones that, like, nobody actually wants, but everybody wants you to think that they want because they want you to want them. <laughs> um, and so, I, you know, I don't know for certain what the – what his actual value would be. I do think that – I mean, he did show more, especially on the defensive end, 
than anybody was expecting last year, which I think would work well in the Knicks' favor. You know, to be able to sell him to other teams is like, hey, he's figuring his offense out. And, you know, honestly, the Knicks didn't really run that many pick and rolls with him. So who knows? Maybe he actually has more in his bag than we realize, you know, because it was just kind of muffled this year by the fact that he was just never really played properly. Um, but like he did start faking the dribble handoff like towards the end of the year and actually dunking afterward. All right, guys, let's take that first break and remind you about one of our all-time favorite sponsors. It's Built Bar. Did you know that Built Bar has nine delicious flavors plus the occasional limited time flavor? When you talk to a Built Bar fan, and I, I I know this talking to Alex quite a bit, they're definitely passionate about their their couple of favorite bars. If you don't know the flavors, well, you're missing out. There's coconut, there's coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, a whole lot more. So there's there's a little something for everyone. If you haven't tried all the flavors, you can get a mix box where you'll get two of each of the nine flavors. So that gives you an opportunity to try out a little bit of everything. And and, and the best part, at least for me, because I'm 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 a health freak. It, it's not it's not even how great they taste. It, it's that they're genuinely pretty good for you. Most of the flavors have 17 grams of protein, only 130 grams of calories. This is the big one for me, just four grams of sugar and only four grams net carbs. And if you're like me and you're actually trying to gain weight while you're working out, uh, you could go for some of the more dense flavors where you get 18 grams of protein, 180 calories, um, and five grams net carbs. So it's nine amazing flavors, all tasty, all healthy. Order today. You can get that raspberry, that mint brownie, whatever you like. Just go to BuiltBar.com and use our promo code LOCK15 and you'll get 15% off your first order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off your first order at Built Bar. All right, guys, we will be back in just a sec, but we wanted to remind you about one final sponsor. Today on Road to the Finals, our NBA playoffs coverage is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it, and at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, we can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. I personally have been loving my Phoenix Suns run to get within a game of the finals. We had a little bit of a setback last night. Paul George was absolutely incredible, but I'm still feeling good. I'm still feeling confident. And uh, yeah, that was our that was our playoff update today on Locked On Knicks. Let's get back into it, wrapping up this three-part green room extravaganza. Yeah, yeah. And, and for a lot of the year, too, I think he overestimated his abilities and would go up for those wild dunks. And then you'd be like, oh, no, Obi, no, no. <laughs> and he would get... You know, he'd either get tentative because he took off too early and then realized the guy in front of him was bigger than the guys used to be in college or or he was just a, a little, you know, gun shy and just didn't quite want to go for it or whatever. But, you know, then he would take those whack ass like layups that he was taking that were going all over the place and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think his value, I, I don't think he's where he was at at the middle of the season where I would have been like, well, he's kind of a negative at this point. <laughs> Uh, but he is, I, I, I think he has some value. I just don't think he has value commensurate to where he was picked last year. That said, if, if the Knicks would be to combine OB plus 19 and 21 to try to move up, I think I'm in, I think I'm generally in a similar spot as to how far up they could get. You know, I, I wonder if maybe, uh, if maybe the magic, as they're just now diving headfirst into a rebuild might want these sort of depth pieces, um, you know, to be like, okay, we're, 
we're starting fresh, so we're going to take the eighth pick from last year plus 19 and 21 this year for our eighth pick this year. And maybe that that's a good business move for them, they think, you know, because they also have the fifth pick. So you can kind of already get like take your Kuminga or whatever there who's like your star upside guy. You already have Isaac on the team. You already have Fultz, um, you know, and you can kind of and, uh, and um, RJ Hampton who started playing well and Cole Anthony, all those guys. So, you know, you've got kind of a decent like young core going on. So maybe you say to yourself, okay, we add Obi to that. That's a big, you know, we don't have as many bigs uh, on the roster. And then, you know, take whoever you're going to take at 19 and 21. Maybe they take another big there, like a, like a Garuba or something. Um, or Sengun, who we were talking about, if if I'm pronouncing that correctly, uh, take him at like 19 and then someone else at 21 to kind of just fill out the depth. And then you have Obi also. Maybe that intrigues them. I don't know for certain, though. I, I feel like that's maybe shooting a little too high. Um, I think while only trading picks, I, I think I'm probably in agreement with Gavin. I think pick 10 probably is about where the Knicks could get. I wonder if maybe you could get pick 9 out of Sacramento. I mean, I don't think so, but maybe in a world where they think, which this seems to always perpetually be the way of thinking. In, uh, maybe if you did uh, all three this year, nine, twenty-one, and the- that—that's kind of what I was getting towards. Yeah, like maybe if maybe if you can offer all three, and Sacramento's sort of perpetually in this state of thinking that they're ready to contend the next year if they just make X, Y, or Z move. You know, maybe maybe they take that deal. Because they think uh, we could get more out of, you know, for depth to help, you know, add shooting and defense and whatever out of 19, 21 and 32 than we could by just using pick nine. And then maybe that puts the Knicks in position to take some of the guys like uh, like Gavin was saying, like Wagner or um, Moses Moody. I mean, I think if the Knicks had come away with Moses Moody, that's like the dream scenario. I I think he would be a perfect fit with this team. I think he's going to fit in really seamlessly pretty much wherever he goes. Uh, but I, I think specifically with the Knicks, I mean, if you could basically slot him in for Bullock in the starting lineup and then, you know, get a competent point guard of some sort to start instead of Alfred Payton or just start Derrick Rose and get a better backup. I mean, I, I think you're cooking with gas then. I think that's a great lineup and so much balance of of youth with experience, you know, like in this theoretical lineup, you're looking at. Derek Rose, who's like your elder statesman, Randall, who's your all NBA guy in his prime, and then RJ Barrett, who's coming into his own in his third year, Moses Moody, who I think would be able to contribute as a rookie right away. Like I and I think Tibbs would really like him in the way that he plays. You know, would be able to get playing time right away as a starter, kind of similar to how RJ was as a second year player this year. And then Mitch as your center. I, I think that's a really dangerous lineup and gives the Knicks a, a lot of uh a lot of flexibility, you know, to then you can play quickly in various ways off the bench. Um, it, you know, Obi's not going out in that deal, so you can still play Obi off the bench. You could retain Bullock and have him in what is probably more his ideal role of being like a 20 minute per game bench guy. Um, I just, do I think, you guys think we're actually more likely to keep Bullock than Burks? Cause I keep hearing Bullock over and over again. I think Burks is a better over. I think, I mean, I might tend to agree with you as far as assessment of their games and everything. But I think that the Knicks and specifically Tibbs would lobby harder to keep Bullock than Burks, just because Bullock was like Tibbs's dude this year. Like from the start, Bullock was, you know, given a lot of minutes and everything. And it even took him a little while to really find the shot out. 
but Tibbs just loves the way that he plays defense and, you know, his switchability there and all that stuff. And then the three pointer came along later in the year. I, I, I would agree. I think that Burks is, is a better overall player, but I, I think that to me, Bullock has more, uh, has more sway in the front office in a way. Word. I do agree with that. Um, the second thing I want to talk to you guys about has nothing to do with the draft whatsoever. Uh, I've been getting a lot of backlash on Twitter in the past 48 hours about my uh, my pro Ben Simmons stance. And with my uh, my ideology behind this, which also doesn't work with Tom Thibodeau as a coach, is that Ben Simmons is actually meant to be a point center, a small ball five, a Nikola Jokic-esque person, whatever you want to call him. And in my ideal scenario, if the Knicks were to ever get this dude, it would be like a Derrick Rose or someone at point guard that have RJ, Julius Randle, the Bullock, like the small forward that's switchable, whoever you want to put there. And then Ben Simmons being able to bring the ball up the court, but also fill the dunker role. And people just keep coming at me saying this dude is tall Alfred Payne. And this man is 24 years old, multiple time all NBA defensive player, a one time all NBA third team player, rookie of the year. And everyone's like, this dude can't shoot free throws, hack a Ben, what are you going to do? What about Shaq? And I'm like, yo, Carl Malone improved his free throw percentage by 15% throughout his career. Chris Webber did the same thing. Tim Duncan wasn't good at shooting free throws. And I just think this man is honestly outcast as like, and like just in the wrong role. Like he's not a point guard. Don't have him play the point. Who cares? And I just don't get why as a fan base that's used to people not doing well. And we haven't made the conference finals since the lockout season. Like, I would be all for getting Ben Simmons. Am I- all right, guys, let's take one final break to remind you that Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC slash MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest info. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit if you use our promo code Locked On. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. No, I, I, I think it, I think it depends on the price, but I, I don't know if you heard last week, Joey. You might, but literally on our locker room last week, I, I said like he has to be a small ball five going forward, and that I didn't miss that. That's awesome option. to hear that we uh, we agree that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean to me that's like because it just seems like like you kind of got to accept it at a certain point. Like, and maybe maybe this turns around when he's like in his late twenties, but he doesn't seem willing to like. There's clearly like there's a psychological thing going on there. We're like. He almost doesn't even seem willing to admit that the shot is an issue, um, like it, because he's made zero improvement on it um, since his rookie year. And it seems like, I mean, maybe defensively, I think he deserves credit for like we're, we're talking about a guy who, when he was at LSU, was was basically like a non-factor and, and disinterested defensively, and he's gone from that to arguably the best perimeter defender in the NBA. So he he deserves a lot of credit on that front. But offensively, I, I think what concerns me about him, just in a general sense, is that it's not even just a jumper. Like he's just hasn't diversified his game in any way. And then, and then mentally there's just so much going on there. Like the stat that he he took what three shots in seven fourth quarters over that series is just, is like surreal. And a sales tactic. If you spun it the other way, he did shoot 100% in the fourth quarter. There you go. There you go. That's, that's good. That's good PR Joey. Um, 
but yeah, you should. Uh, the Sixers should be paying you for that. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, and I, but that's the whole argument for it is that his price is, is never going to be lower than it is right now, and he does have like a track record of real. Like I remember his rookie year, thinking like, oh my god, this guy, this guy is going to be a megastar. Like when when Embiid got hurt, I don't know if you guys remember, but Embiid got hurt, and they won I think sixteen games in a row with Simmons as either as a rookie. Um, like passing it to like Bellinelli and Ilyasova and Redick and, and, and Sarich and like out of nowhere, I was like, wow, this team is really, really good. And like Simmons is like, is like the dude on it as a first year player. So, you know, that's, that's still in there. That's still within him. He's 24. He hasn't like been sapped of his athleticism. Like it's clearly a mental thing. So if the Knicks, like if you can really get him at a low price and you should be able to get him at a low price, because like I've heard, I've heard other people make this point. If he were a free agent this year, he probably wouldn't get the four-year, $140 million contract that he's on. So, like, theoretically, like, like not obviously, like, the Sixers aren't going to trade him and, like, attach an asset to him. But can the Knicks get him for, I don't know, like, I mean, that same package we were just talking about, like, OB and, like, two first-round picks? I don't the, – the whole thing – the whole issue with the Knicks trying to trade for him is, like, if Philly moves him, it's going to be a guy who can – for a guy who can contribute right away because they just – like with Embiid's health the way it is, they just can't screw this up any longer. And I, I it would really also like, probably be outside of the division and ideally the conference, if, since he does still have superstar potential. People don't usually trade with him, like within that. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's a that's a good point for sure. Um, yeah, I think I think that's certainly valid. And, and just the fact that, like, I mean, I would argue like Philly's already like screwed screwed this whole thing up beyond repair, and they were they were basically set. Like, you could look at all these different like turning points for them, like if they had just taken. Tatum over Fultz, um, or if they had taken Mikel Bridges, or, or well, they did take Mikel Bridges if they hadn't traded Mikel Bridges after taking him, or if they just kept Jimmy Butler. Like there are all these different points where they could have basically been set to win like three or four titles, and they screwed up every single one of them. And now I would argue they're they're in a place basically of like of I, I would say honestly their best hope is probably to keep Simmons and hope something changes. Um, but right now, I don't even know what the deal is out there for him because there just there aren't a lot of guys that at his current value you could trade for and say this this is a trade that makes us better today and this is a trade that's clearly a better fit around Embiid. And the issue with the Knicks specifically is like the Knicks, I think, really don't have that guy. Like like you would, I would honestly say the most realistic trade there would be R.J. Barrett straight up. And and I don't like I would I would personally I would sit and think about that for a long time if I were if I were the Knicks. I think if you ask most Knicks fans, and Alex, I'll, I'll throw it to you to ask right now. I think most Knicks fans would say hell no if if they were if they were off. Yeah, I mean, I would say no. It, it might, it, as you said, I might sit there and think for a minute, but I think ultimately my response to that particular trade offer would be no. Um, I just think the big thing with Simmons that gets me at this point is just like how much does he care? And I know. I, I feel like that's an unfair criticism sometimes in the NBA because we're not in these guys' heads. We don't see what's going on with them. But I just don't understand how you've been in the league now for this is his fifth year at this point. Uh, And, you know, he's still at this point not even entertaining the idea of shooting free throws. Or, sorry, well, free throws too, I guess, but shooting three-pointers. And it's like... I feel like he just gets by on his God-given abilities and that really would disrupt the way that the Knicks do things. <laughs> um, because this past year, I mean, if you look like 
Randall, you know, the famous story in the Players' Tribune and, you know, that came up a zillion times on broadcast and everything about, like, the the Kobe stuff that was instilled in him about, you know, always finding a gym somewhere the second you touch down and going putting up more shots and, like, the amount of work that he put in his game to improve from a low 30s three-point shooter to a 40% three-point shooter in a year. Um, R.J. Barrett, same deal, you know, just working his butt off and going from a guy that was, you know, looking like, oh, I don't know, you know, if he's going to be a shooter after his first year to, again, 40% three-point shooter in year two. I I don't – I just don't think that Simmons would really mesh well with this team at this point unless you really think that, like, Kenny Payne can turn his career around and or Johnny Bryant. Uh, or if you – you know, if you're Leon Rose and you have inside intel into his – into his inner circle or whatever, and can hear from somebody firsthand, like, yeah, the only reason that he hasn't played well for Philly so far is just that he, you know, he hates the organization or something, which in that case too, it's kind of like, well, uh, that's still, still kind of a red flag that you would like. He's just really broken up about his Kyrie Jenner breakup. Yeah. Right. Like, like the, either way, like there's really no good way to slice it. It's either like he doesn't care enough about things overall, or he's doing it to act out or he's doing X, Y, or Z, it just, it seems like he doesn't really work on his game that much. And it doesn't seem like, it seems like maybe he's refined certain things a tiny bit, but it seems like he has no interest in adding anything to his game based off how he's gone so far. I mean, in that respect, he is sort of like Alfred Payton in the the fact that Alfred Payton too is basically the same player that he got drafted as. And Ben Simmons is much more talented than he is, has a, has has legitimately a LeBron level physical profile of just an enormous dude who's super nimble, super quick, super you know athletic, and has great ball handling ability for someone his size and everything else, and yet doesn't. I I don't think that he's really added a skill since he came to the NBA. You know, it, all he does is he's the exact same guy that he was coming out of college, which is someone who can overpower you on offense, can get to the rim, um, isn't a great shooter in any respect. He hasn't even worked on a mid-range jumper, really, that's effective, certainly hasn't worked on free throws, and never even touches the three-point line to where you see all those all those you know screenshots and videos or whatever of guys defending him like 10 feet inside the paint you know, when he's standing at the three-point line because you just know he's never going to shoot from there. And then on defense, he's a menace, and I think he's legitimately one of the best defensive players in the NBA. And But I think people kind of saw that coming out of college from him, too, that he had that potential. So it's just, yeah, it's I, I, it's worrisome to me to potentially invest anything in him, you know, as far as the Knicks are concerned. Like, yeah, even if, even if he became available for, say, like that same package that we were talking about, you know, if it was – like, let's say it was the same package that – that we were talking about to potentially move up to number two or three. And it was, you could trade 19, 21, and let's say 32 as well, or maybe the, the Dallas pick or something like that. 19, 21 and the Dallas pick in 23 plus like quickly for him. I mean, I, I, as crazy as it sounds, I don't know that I would do it because you know, with 19 and 21 and that 23 Dallas pick, and you already know with quickly that these are, you know, you can draft, guys that you know have a rep for being hard workers that are going to give you, you know, something on the court from day one, but also are going to strive to be better. And you know that quickly is going to continue working his butt off and getting better. 
And with Simmons, it's like, I feel like if you're acquiring him right now, you have to just kind of assume that this is the player he's going to be for the rest of his career. And then that, that means you have to ask yourself, is this a player that I think I could potentially go deep in the playoffs with or win a championship with, you know, cause that's always the ultimate goal, especially if you're going to commit someone long-term with high money. And I just, I don't see it with him. I, I just don't see it from a, from a putting in the work perspective with him to, to be comfortable doing that. So I think that's where I'm at with Simmons right now. I mean, if he was available for basically nothing, then sh- like, if it was like, uh, give us the 19th pick and Obi Toppin. I mean, I'd not say that Obi's nothing, you know, and I think Obi's a really hard worker too, but if that's what the cost was, then yeah, you have to take it. But if it starts getting into like, like two, three first round pick territory, even if they're the 19th and 21st pick, and someone like quickly, who's a real blue chipper, that seems like he could actually be like a really dynamic scorer in the NBA. Um, that's where it really starts to give me pause, and I, I think I would probably say no. My uh, the trade I kept coming to in my head, and I know Mitch's contract makes it a little bit harder. It was nineteen twenty-one and Mitch for Ben Simmons, because also my whole argument is that he's meant to play center or he's meant to play four or five, and if him and Julius Randle play together, then at least Julius can shoot the three ball, and then we'd still only have one guy in the dunker role. Uh, I do appreciate your guys' feedback, though. Thank you. I just I wanted to like get it out there that for people to call him tall Alfred Payton from like a skill set standpoint, it was blowing. Yeah, that's yeah. that's doing a big disservice to his defensive ability. To be honest, that's the biggest thing that's insulting. Like, is his and, and I mean his passing acumen is way better than Payton as well. So, but the, mostly I think the defense. I mean Payton Payton will never sniff an all NBA defensive team, and Simmons could make one every year for the rest of his career, potentially. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, it's, it's, it's a ridiculous comment, but yeah, Joey, uh, really appreciate it, man. Uh, thanks for coming up. Anything to, uh, to plug before you head out? I know, I know you got your podcast. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Joey Lindolfo. It's in the profile thing on this. And, uh, also the big Nick energy podcast. You can check us out on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple pods. Uh, much appreciate you guys. Uh, also definitely check out built bar. Uh, and that's all I'm going to say. I'm not going to do the full plug. Uh, all right. We got, we got, a, we got a get, get a little extra money for this. We're, we're already like filling our ad requirements, but this is like double, triple overtime and stuff. All right. Appreciate it, Joey. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll catch you next time. Hopefully. All right. All right. Thank you, Joey. Okay, sweet. All right. Um, yeah. So that's, that's it for this one, guys. We, I was going to say, I hope we didn't have any more cause I got to get ready to go play basketball now. <laughs> yeah. 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 Be, be, best of luck. Alex has his first, uh, rec league game today. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Let, let me let, let us all know how that goes next week, Alex. And yeah, we will, uh, we'll talk to you all in, in a week until then be good and, and be on the lookout. We released uh, an episode today, uh, talking about Frank Nilakina season and his future with, Ariel Pacheco that that came out really good I think and then we it was it was aforementioned and we touched on some similar themes in this one but a, a really great as it always is conversation with, with, with the goat Knicks film schools uh Jonathan Macri so uh yeah be on the lookout for that early next week until then be good talk to you all soon peace out <laughs>